Hey, you're listening to the Manmukti Mental Health Podcast. This is Garandeep, welcoming you back for an all-new season. So over the break, there was a huge buzz about this Netflix documentary, Stutz, featuring actor Jonah Hill and his therapist, Phil Stutz. So we thought it would be a good idea for the podcast team to watch it and then discuss it. One of the central themes shared by Stutz was his philosophy on the life force. So here's a sneak into our conversation on the life force and some of the tools shared in the documentary that really stuck out to us. Guys, you're hearing Anand. And you're hearing uh, Kirandeep along with Dirshti. Yeah, Drishti is also here. <laughs> <laughs> we're missing the t- we're missing two players on the team, Audria. Chetan? They're too cool for us, Chetan, yeah. And one of them is only saving lives, no big deal right now. <laughs> so uh, we all decided one of the cool things to do would be to watch a documentary and then sort of react to it as a group. Um, and this documentary is on Netflix. It's called Stutz. It is a conversation, essentially, over the over several years between uh, Jonah Hill and his therapist, uh, wherein his therapist uh, sort of summarizes and uh, condenses the lessons he's taught to Jonah over the over the years and other clients of his, and uh, and in the process also gets to share some of his own life story and. Um, Jonah takes the opportunity to sort of turn the tables on the therapist, which you don't get to see a whole lot of, and ask him what his background was and how he grew up and what that did to make him who he is. Um, it was really cool, generally speaking. I, I thought like it was, uh, you know, one of the things we wanted to do as a group is talk about those tools, those very tools, and see how useful they were for everybody. Wait, so was Stutz his therapist or was he like psychiatrist turned therapist? Like wh- what's the terminology here? I think, I mean, it's not really clear whether he's writing medications for him. Um, yeah, I feel like they were just having therapy sessions, right? I think his job is a psychiatrist, but I guess he was mostly his therapist because he said he was a doctor, right? He went to medical yeah. school. Yeah. yeah. So I think he's a psychiatrist. Also in the description, it describes him as a psychiatrist. A lot of people up in New York, you know, a lot of the psychiatrists up there, they sort of do a lot of this talk therapy. I think especially if you're not like, if you have a functional sort of depression, like Jonah has like ostensibly, you know, because he's able to maintain a career and all this, then there's the the tools that he's offering are probably more effective than like a strictly a medication-based approach. Early on in his education and experience as a psychiatrist, he thought it was appalling that his pa- he couldn't give anything to his patients that would immediately make them better. So that's why he kind of came up with these tools, you know, that these are little like tangible pieces to give you a little bit of hope and like bridge the gap between the cause and what you can do about it. Like he wanted his patients to walk away with something, right? Essentially, that's what the tool was or a tool. I thought it was so cool when he was like, 
um you know people go to their friends to like vent and they just want their friends to listen but they'll go to the therapist because they actually want advice but then the therapist will just listen <laughs> so he was like there's this whole gap and that's like I feel that so much because it's like half the time when I'm venting to my friends about stuff I don't want their advice because I don't trust it but when I went to the yeah. therapist I'm like can you tell me what to do like I don't know what to do so yeah well, I, I thought he like really nailed it when he said that the difficult thing there is that it's so hard to give advice without yeah. appearing judgmental. It's the yeah. hardest thing. I mean, it, I mean, have you tried it? Like, have you tried to like properly give advice without like sound one sounding mad at the person, two yeah. sort of an investment in them doing what you ask them to do, right? Or three, just judging the hell out of them as they talk to you about their problem and not yeah. being able to hide it on your face. You know, it's like. <laughs> And that's why, like, even though you want someone to do it, maybe a therapist, it takes probably a lot of training. And we were talking about this earlier, probably some own trauma from the therapist side to be able to do that well. Like, that's, yeah. a, skill. that's a skill. It's not a natural skill. It's not natural to hide your inner reaction to something from the person you're reacting to. Mm-hmm. Like, that might be a problem in you, you know, to be able to do that, right? Like, if you're a fully authentic person, person then you're reacting as you normally would like right but mm-hmm. a therapist is sort of supposed to be something that's uh, i would say not unnatural but rather super yeah like pull something back like, like a superhuman ability yeah you know? it's like you you want them to tell you what to do but you don't want any judgment and like you just want this like like perfect answer but you still want them to be super nice about it which is i'm yeah you're totally right like that's not possible to do because if you're giving advice it's going to come off as judgmental so i think he these tools are super super helpful in that sense i think it was nice that they gave a lot of background on him so that way when he's presenting these yeah. tools you can tell that he uses these in reality in his own life they have been beneficial he's not just blurting just to blurt have you, have you guys tried using any of them since you watched the movie or like have you guys uh have you used, used them prior to seeing them the grateful flow has definitely changed my perception and ability to feel what it really is to be grateful because he mentions the grateful flow and then he makes it a thing that say like you're not just listing things that you're grateful for for. They're not things that you're grateful for. It's that feeling that you get when you're talking about the things that you're grateful for. But when you're that in between, between saying it and feeling grateful, that's the thing that you're trying to grow. And once you're in the flow of it, then it really like, you're like enveloped in it. You know, it's like this glowing feeling that comes from you. I did not know that that was a thing or even the point of being grateful, you know, Mm. that like warm, sunshiny feeling. Mm -hmm. So that definitely has been huge for me. The other thing was, and we can kind of get into talking about the life force. One of the things that he had mentioned was a life force, which is this pyramid. um, And at the bottom is you connecting with your body, which is exercise, diet, sleep which is Mm -hmm. like the base of, you know, where you working on your life force. Mm -hmm. And then above that is people and then you, right? So that portion where you're at the top of the pyramid, connecting with yourself through journaling. And I've never been a huge writer. I've never been this person that jots down thoughts. And since I've started doing that, I really noticed that that's 
actually a really good way of connecting with your unconscious. Mm. You don't even think that these things are in you. And then you write them down and you're like, wow. Like, do you share that with anybody? Do you have a therapist that you share it with? Or do you share it with your husband? Or is it like completely you? Is it terrifying the idea of sharing it? I keep my notebook right beside my computer. And anytime I feel overwhelmed, I write down, you know, it'll be, it'll start with, usually it'll start with an affirmation. So I always just jot down things that either I want just to escape out of my mind and then it's done, it's gone. Mm. Or it's something that I want to continuously tell myself and convince myself of, you know, Mm -hmm. it's almost like my thoughts are great, but if I write it down, then it's, I know it to be true. I don't care if my husband sees it. I think he knows that half of this stuff is just me blurting things out. Um, So he has his own journal and he writes pretty frequently. So I don't think that he would like go in through my stuff. You know, yeah, I was going to say, I feel like I need to learn how to do it properly. Cause like when I started journaling, I feel like I would get more in my head. It's like, I would, I would like write down everything that's in my head and then I would think about it even more. And then it would just become this like vicious cycle. So I, I wasn't feeling like I was releasing anything. Like it just made me overthink things. I think it's natural for us to want to curate everything in our life. I think that's like the generation of social media where we have to curate all these portions of our life that to be presentable. But really, you have to remember that you're just presenting it to yourself. It's like, for me, it's a release. It's not about Mm. anybody else. It's not even about you half the time. It's just about you releasing what you need to release. Sometimes I can't even read it. It's just like scribbles. It's not about you taking notes on your life is just the action of getting that thought out of your head onto a piece Mm. of paper yeah it doesn't have to be perfect it's that's just yeah it's not for anyone else it's just for you yeah Yeah. it's the action of even writing it down it's not like you're gonna look over it. it's not notes that you're gonna look over (laughs) later and study like it's not about that it's not even Mm. the fact that you can read it it's just the fact that you put it on a piece of paper and you got it out of your head but I think for others, it might be like processing. Do you journal too, Dershi? I I used to journal, but like, I think, okay, I also don't write. Like I, I would type on my notes app, which I feel like there's also a difference in like physically writing things down on a piece of paper and separating yourself from your phone because your phone already has so much other like garbage on it, right? Mm-hmm. So you, I feel like having a separate space for that also probably helps. But yeah. yeah, I've been I've been meaning to get back into it, um, like and and like actually write things down. My friends even say like when they journal, they don't you know write down paragraphs. They make diagrams too, or like just mm-hmm. bullet points. Like it doesn't have to be like a whole Definitely. like essay every time you're writing. It can be whatever you want. Yeah. So and you can use to- it in different ways. You know, like I make a lot of lists for things like I yeah. want I want to handle these things or these are goals that I want to work on or you know, how I want to take on certain challenges and certain feelings. Um, But I also have a note called journal and I actually have that one locked. That one is locked. No one can get into that (laughs) one. (laughs) But that functions differently for me. I feel like that's like where I keep, you know, things that I want to work on. There's a, a tool that I use, which is like whenever I'm, I don't journal really very well. I only journal whenever life is hard and that's not really the best way to do it. I think I think you're supposed to journal all the time, but um, 
it's like only working out after you get your blood work back and you're like high on lipids or whatever, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but I think, uh, I like to journal in such a way that I'm pretending, I'm pretending I'm writing a letter to somebody. Like, I know that it's a dear diary or whatever, but like, what if it's a real person, not like the diary? whose diary right like I don't know what that means you know so if you ever knew somebody who you think would be great to talk to about something like that or or there's someone with whom you're having a conversation that's hard to really finish out loud you know Mm -hmm. um, I like to write to that person or someone who you know won't judge you but you don't have the they don't have the bandwidth to always be there for you uh, or 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 you don't necessarily feel open to saying it out loud to them um like as like a supportive friend, right? Like um, he, he talks about this a little bit. He talks about this person that you can feel all the love for in the world, all the love of the whole universe. You can channel into one person. So if there's a person that you can do that with easily, that's an ideal object to start uh, writing to, I feel, you know, like, and that's how people start the metta meditation technique also is that mm-hmm. whenever you start the metta meditation, which is supposed to be loving kindness to the whole world, ultimately, which is hard to do. You you start that with the sort of um, uh, tinder wood of uh, of the love that you feel towards someone that's easy to love, right? Like someone with whom you have an uncomplicated relationship. Uh, it might be your kid, you know. It could be someone, you know, someone who it's easy to love unconditionally, right? Something like something like that, right? It doesn't take a lot out of you to feel good for them, right? Um, and so you can write to someone like that. And and that's actually fun. Like, even if you don't ever send it to them, it's fun to write to that person because uh, your mood automatically brightens upon even considering that person, right? Yeah. And to hold yeah. that person in your head for the entire duration of time as you're keeping a journal that day is itself a positive thing, right? Like, uh, I, I remember after I did the interview with Abhijit and uh, Sri, I, I sent Abhijit the caricatures of them that I was drawing after I talked to them because it was so fun to spend additional time with them the additional time of looking at their face while I drew them, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's like hanging out with them and it automatically improves your mood. If you like the people that you're considering, you know? And so, um, so that can be, that can be a nice way to journal too, especially if it's hard to ha- be in your own company for a half an hour or however long it takes to maybe pretend you're spending time with someone that you love a little twist on that journal, uh, tip, you know? Yeah. This is a whole other podcast. We'll call it. Do you even jur- <laughs> do you even journal bro? <laughs> yeah once you start trying to keep your mind open to what the assignment is uh mm-hmm. then, like let's say that you know you're going to journal later today so then you the day goes on you're like this is going to be in my journal later you know this experience or this emotion oh okay you know? it starts out like it'll just be like uh day was good had a monthly call too early in the morning and then <laughs> you know, just made it in time for brunch you know was you know whatever like uh but then if like you, then you're like, okay, that was kind of not great, you know, because I missed the emotional content of my day. Mm-hmm. Then tomorrow you're going to be like, ah, this conversation I had with my, you know, mom or whatever is going to be there because of whatever reason, you know? So I think that's when I they think that was the point. That was the point, mm-hmm. right? Like of the life force, which there's those three levels, body, and then your relationships with other people and then yourself. The point was that journaling helps you develop a relationship or uncover your unconscious right that was why he had recommended it it was kind of interesting where he said this is for anybody that's feeling lost which i know that i've been through phases like that and this tool would have been amazing for me to just focus on three things my body 
my relationship with people, and then my relationship with myself. What do you think you would go for if you were feeling lost? Like, which one would you work on first? I, I've had the most success with the uh, people, you know, like the, like, I, I think maybe because although I have not done anything for my physical health, probably in months, I haven't gone to the gym since the, before the wedding, for God's sake, you know, and I used to like have the same reaction as Drishti. Whenever I'd go there, I'd feel instantly happier, um, reliably. And if there was a pill like that you could take, that was like in 20 minutes, she'll be happier. Like everyone would take it. And yet no mm-hmm. one takes this pill. I don't know. But I just can't go over that, that oxymoron in our psychology. But, but anyway, so, but people are always there. And in fact, in most interactions, you have to deal with people. And so I found that like, the kind of interactions that are really good versus those that add more to your emotional tax every day are those that are authentic interactions where you talk about what you're really feeling and, mm-hmm. and you are open, you know, like this, like this conversation is making me feel better, you know, but like not every conversation does that, right? Like you have to m- meet some strangers throughout the day, or maybe you got to meet coworkers and you don't have the same fluency with them as you would the people you already know. And so, well, how do you make those healing inter- interactions? And like, Maybe you can't talk to your best friend on an hour, on the phone for an hour every day, but you can still, you have to meet these people. You have to meet these strangers um, to get through your day. So why don't you make those interactions the kind that you like, right? right. Maybe you can raise the level of those to medium talk instead of small talk or something like that, just so you have something that makes you feel like you're a, a person around other people rather than just going through it alone, you know? And most people want that too, right? Most people- yeah. We're just waiting for that conversational bear to be broken where it's not like, you know, that, that, that they're not just getting through the day to get through it, you know? So. Yeah. Totally I, agree. I, think, I, I think for me, I, it's so interesting. I thought we would all have the same answer of like only physical health and nutrition. I was like, Oh, that seems like the easiest. So when you said people, I was like, Oh, we're, we're all so different. But yeah, I think, I think for me, it's just easier to like focus on that stuff because you know, physical health, I'm like used to going to the gym. I'm used to, I know what food makes me feel good. Like taking care of my body, I'm just used to. It's like the easiest thing to fall back on. But when I start thinking about my relationship to myself and my relationship with other people, that's where I start getting stressed out because it's like, oh, this is like a gray area. Like, I don't know how to handle it. And usually like majority of the time when I'm like feeling lost or I don't really know what's going on, it's because of those two things. It's it's not usually because of the physical health stuff. So I think that's that's usually where I start. But I mean, I think on what you were saying of like, you know, relying on those like strangers that you encounter sometimes to like help you mm-hmm. feel more connected is like so useful. I, I, I feel like I should start doing that more. But also because of the pandemic, I feel like you don't really see strangers as much. Like sometimes you just get your groceries delivered. You know, you you don't really need to leave your or at least for me, because I, I work remotely, like I don't really need to leave my house that much. So I don't really encounter strangers like unless I choose to. So I'm definitely on the same page. Yeah. But I realized that, uh, but the biggest thing that happened with me through COVID was I, I didn't realize how much I needed those relationships, but that's when I found Manmukti. And then I met a bunch of new people and that Mm. has had a huge impact on me because I look forward to our meetings every week. And, you know, the only person I've ever actually met in person was Sri but mm-hmm. I'm still able to connect with you guys and talk about things that I don't talk to other people on like a regular basis. So I think that 
let's not knock these sort of cyber <laughs> relationships that we have yeah. <laughs> with basically strangers, but we're able yeah. to have these conversations and that has a huge, huge impact on my mental health is just to be able to talk about mental health and dig deeper on my aspect of it and other people's, um, you know, realities. And what he said, what he said was beautiful. He said, every person represents all of humanity, right? And so these are literally yeah. your, your handholds as you climb up this mountain. And right. the other beautiful aspect of that, which is not true of any other thing is like, yeah, you can be, you can work on your physical health and it's great. For, it's great. It'll be ultimate for you. But if you are working towards the people question, then you could be helping other people also. Like yeah. that's so satisfying. Right? I mean, one of the best things that I found to make myself happier throughout the day is like looking for reasons to compliment people. Once you just do it a couple of times, it's like an addiction. Like you just go around, like, like someone brings you at a restaurant, someone brings you something nice. You're like, you are really good at your job, man. How did you know <laughs> that I was done with my water from all the way over there? Whatever, you know? And and then it's like you, you might you might blush or something like that, but you you feel so good that that you made someone happy. Like the fact that you can cause a positive change in the world yes. is an important thing to be able to remind yourself of when I mean and that it can be so easy to do that, right? Yeah. Um, and you don't know the impact that that had on somebody when yeah. you did that, right? Like um I recently joined a new gym and I don't know anyone there. Mm -hmm. And I was just doing my thing and a guy came up to me and gave me a fist bump. I was just like, oh, like how nice, <laughs> totally random, but super cool, you know, brightened up my day, which was really sweet. Yeah. So you never know, do these little things for people, brighten up your day and brighten up their day too. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be like a giant gesture either. And I think that's, it does some people think like they have to, you know, grand gestures or appreciation but often like the casual stuff is what means the most like that like that like the what you just had what you just experienced yeah so that's a big one and then the self one is super hard i mean that's just so abstract i don't even know how to get into that one um the top of the pyramid yeah that's where he talks about the journaling right like, yeah that's the journaling yeah that's like uh, and, and you know it's funny i don't usually make um resolutions i just try to like focus on what i like visualizing what i what my life should be or what I want it to be. But this year I actually wrote down that I want to learn to activate my unconscious and learn more about it. Um, and that's interesting because yeah, I, I basically, even in the journaling section of this conversation, I was so, I guess I'm so nervous about being alone that even I made that even a social, I made that number two, like the, the people thing. I just turned it into another conversation. <laughs> yeah. Right. I just said like, yeah. I can't pretend there's so many on, the, on this. <laughs> that's, that's what would be shaking his head right now. He saw me doing that. I found it super wild that he, he had mentioned that just fixing your diet, exercise and sleep has like 85% improvement. It was that the statistic or am I like yeah. Yeah. saying 85% of people, uh, like at, at least when they first come in. Yeah. 80%, 85% of what they're coming in for can be solved by addressing those three things. Yeah, that's wild. To me, I like, I think that has yeah. an impact, but to me, I think relationships has a bigger impact. To me for too, me. to me too, personally. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is why I kept going back to that. Maybe it's different for different people. But I'm also weirdly introverted. Like, I find social gatherings um, exhausting sometimes. 
So I'm not really sure. I'm I'm still working out like what exactly is it, Karen? Like what's what's your thing? Do you like hanging out with people or <laughs> do you not? Yeah, the life force I think was like the biggest takeaway for me while watching this documentary. And then obviously like all the other tools kind of play into that. And then the the other thing I was talking to Karen about before was um, the novelty of having a psychiatrist uh, talk to him, talk to his patient about himself. Mm-hmm. And what that does to the therapeutic relationship. It's a controversial move, by the way. We're yeah, not really. I, think so. yeah. I mean, in in our discipline, like it used to be extreme. Like there's an example I read about where like the the patient left, uh, dropped something, and the doctor wouldn't p- pick it up for them. Like th- they didn't engage with like little, even even uh, menial human to human interactions. Like he was supposed to be like sort of a monolithic uh, representation of you know some. Wow. A- academics expertise or something like that but now of course it's less like that but it's still frowned upon to like disclose too much of your own life to a patient and i don't know i don't know what the justification is for that i mean it's hard to really find out uh just by searching my own mind what would be right or wrong but what do you guys think i mean about that i f- i feel like it honestly helps because it's like it goes back to the whole thing about vulnerability right like mm-hmm. your relationship and your conversation is so much more enhanced when both people are vulnerable versus and i know like you know in your relationship with your therapist they can't like dump all their problems on you because that's not the point of it but i feel like them sharing that they went through something similar or they had something similar happen to someone in their life helps you feel less alone in whatever you're going through and like it also helps what like whatever they're going to say it gives them a little bit more credibility because it's like you know that they're not just giving you like the textbook answer of what you're looking for so I don't know I think I I I, I prefer that I think I agree with you on the sense that it creates a good relationship that it gives them a little credibility that they're not just like saying something that they learned in a textbook. But I think too personal could be an issue because then they're your friend and you're taking advice from a friend (laughs) and then, and then it breaks down that barrier and you're like, okay, well, I don't, you know, take you seriously anymore. Well, guys, thanks for listening to another episode. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to our channel. You can comment on our social pages at Manmukti, M-A-N-N-M-U-K-T-I, and our website, manmukti.org. In the meantime, take care of your mind, body, and soul. This is Karen Deep signing out.